Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdogs at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. All right, all right. We're entering, is this uh, week four of the coronavirus isolation? <laughs> How are you doing at your house? Are you catching up on on deferred maintenance and, and projects that you just couldn't find time to get to? That's what what's happening here at the Dawes house. The lovely Liz has us festooning the house with molding, one of her favorite projects. I'm cutting the uh, the sticks and she's putting them up. And we are going from one end of the house to the other, turning our our humble little Florida retirement home into a, a, a spectacular uh, space and getting uh, getting some things fixed that have been delayed for a long time getting some yard projects done and uh, I've had the kids home and that's uh, that's a real blessing having them in a dirt adult young adulthood uh, come home and uh, and you know spend some time with family that's uh, that's one of the silver linings to this coronavirus fiasco I guess we'll start today's show with the curious case of Captain Kozier. Captain Kozier, of course, is the commanding officer of the USS aircraft carrier Roosevelt, a uh, one of the key surface combatants in our Navy. If you don't understand a, a U.S. Navy task force, it's, it's really at this point the projection of air power. The task force is organized around these aircraft carriers, you've got the carrier in the center, you've got the cruisers uh, outboard of that that protect uh, from air assault and uh, and a, a submarine attack on the carrier. And then outside of that, you've got the destroyers and the frigates that uh, engage any approaching surface combatants and also have a, have a role to play as a you know, first line of defense against the uh, submarines. But Captain Kozier, as you know, was relieved of his command after a memo that he had written and copied people outside of his chain of command on um, infections of the coronavirus aboard his ship. 
And it was a sort of a hair on fire kind of memo talking about, you know, we're not at war. We don't need these sailors to die. And it was originally leaked to the San Francisco Chronicle and then carried in the um, New York Times and other outlets. It signaled to the entire world that one of our key surface combatants uh, was inoperable, didn't need to be inoperable. And so uh, Kozier's um, superiors have relieved him from duty. Now, you know, I don't know Captain Kozier. I don't know his story. He's obviously, um, you know, if you rise to the, uh, to the helm of a U.S. aircraft carrier, you, 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 you are a sharp person, to say the least, outstanding. But in this case, Captain Kozier panicked. And panic is the last characteristic you can have in the commander of a U.S. aircraft carrier. He panicked over a virus. Yeah, I think he, he had 80 confirmed cases on board his ship. But if we know anything about this coronavirus, we know that uh, it attacks people with uh, that are elderly or have underlying medical conditions. And, and that is not Captain Kozier's crew. These ships in the U.S. Navy are run... By and large, both in the enlisted and officer corps, by people under thirty years of age, with the exception to that being, you know, the the senior officers, the old man and the executive officer, and some of these others, they're they're in their forties and fifties, uh, and the, of course the chief officers that actually run these ships, they're uh, they're lifer dogs, as we used to call them in the navy. And, uh, and they're in their 40s and 50s, and some of those guys can, you know, be overweight. But this, uh, this virus posed very little actual threat to the crew of the USS Roosevelt. And even if Captain Kozier had uh, been concerned about the health effect on his crew, the last thing he should have done was gone outside of the, copied people outside of the chain of command on his memo, that allowed this to be leaked and, and signal to our foes that, uh, that, you know, we, um, that our preparedness had been degraded. So of course, Captain Kozier had to be relieved. It, uh, it's not anything anybody relishes. His crew, uh, gave him a, you know, an ovation as he was, as he was leaving the ship. And that's good. You know, it's good that he has, uh, uh, the loyalty of his crew. There are a lot of Navy ships that uh, that don't have any affection for the old man. But, you know, Joe Biden came out and said, it's almost criminal, Captain Kozier being relieved of duty. And, of course, Schumer and Pelosi says that this is a travesty because Captain Kozier was just looking out for his crew. They don't understand anything about the culture or the uh, the imperatives of operating a military unit military unit, the hierarchy of priorities is the mission, the men, and the materials. Mission comes first, then the crew, and then the, uh, the material preparedness. And Kozier, in his memo, said, we're not at war. There's no reason to, to, uh, for people to die. Well, the reason we're not at war, Captain Kozier, is because we enjoy overwhelming superiority, and, uh, and you and your memo uh, compromise that part of the mission. If he was going to send a memo, he didn't need to send a memo. All he had to do was walk down the passageway and knock on the door 
of the uh, captain of the of the fleet task force. I, th- I think it was the seventh fleet, may have been the third fleet, and uh, and express your concerns. I think he was grandstanding, or he felt felt like you know this this message needed to go out to everybody, including our enemy. I wonder what's going on in the U.S. Navy, my U.S. Navy. Uh, this seems to be a recurring event in the U.S. Navy, uh, the lack of preparedness and the lack of skill. Last year, I think it was, we had two U.S. Navy destroyers uh, have collisions with uh, commercial shipping, which is just unheard of. I mean, this is basic seamanship. If you can't put a competent crew on the bridge to pilot these ships, that, that just is a, a horrible indictment of our Navy. And, of course, in the Obama administration, we had these these two riverine swift boats that, uh, that were caught in Iranian waters and allowed themselves to be boarded and captured by two Iranian patrol boats, which were just glorified bass boats, fiberglass-hulled, um, you know, uh, center console boats with a 50 caliber mounted up on the, on the bow. These riverines that allowed themselves to be captured are absolutely bristling with weapon systems. They could have, uh, you know, told the Iranian Navy not to approach. And if they did uh, blasted them out of the water, which is exactly what it, what should have been done. But instead they allowed themselves to be boarded and captured and, uh, and debriefed and used to humiliate the U.S. military on on the world stage. I don't know if they've lowered the standards uh, to try to fill the ranks of the U.S. Navy or what is going on, if political correctness uh, has infected these, these ships and they've gone soft. I know they're putting women aboard U.S. surface combatants, which is just could not be a worse idea. I'm not talking bad about women. (laughs) Women are a key part of our U.S. military. They are not well-suited to put into combat positions. Uh, They have other priorities that have their place in, in the U.S. military, but not in a surface combatant and not in a, a combat infantry outfit or any place else where combat is going on. I think what it does is uh, feminize the atmosphere and lead to things like Captain Kozier forgetting uh, his priorities and uh, instead getting bogged down in a, a almost non-existent threat to, uh, to his, his crew. Also, over the weekend, I guess it was Friday night, the administration announced the firing of uh, the Intelligence Communities Inspector General Atkinson. And uh, and this was long overdue. He should have been fired uh, from the get-go. He's the one that facilitated this impeachment by allowing the so-called whistleblower, whose, uh, whose name we're not allowed to mention, Eric Chiaramella, to, uh, to file a complaint with no firsthand knowledge. And that complaint uh, turned out to be wrong in almost every aspect. It claimed that 
the president had had engaged in a quid pro quo with the president of the Ukraine eight separate times during this conversation. Turns out there was no quid pro quo, and uh, and the topic only came up once. But Atkinson allowed um, the, this uh, CIA analyst to file a complaint, and uh, after, by the way, he had coordinated his his uh, attack with Adam Schiff's staff and filed this complaint that had no first-hand knowledge, it was full of inaccurate information that was biased against the president. This guy had previously worked on Joe Biden's staff. Basically, what Atkinson did was allow this this uh, resistance movement to uh to take the uh to uh to don the facade of a whistleblower. And now Atkinson has been fired, and of course Adam Schiff and all of the Democrats are are melting down. He shouldn't have been fired. He was just doing his job. He wasn't doing his job. He uh, he drugged this. He was responsible for this country being drugged through the mud for almost a year in this impeachment frenzy. And I'd just like to point out that in most countries a uh, a bureaucrat in the intelligence community that attempts to facilitate a crew, I, I mean a coup, by a spy would have got terminated from his job in a very different way. Hey, we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Actually, I'm going to tell you about uh, an offer we're, we're um Facilitating here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. If you will go to preparewithmojo50.com, that's preparewithmojo50.com. Let me double check that URL. Preparewithmojo50.com. That's right. It will take you over to My Patriot Supply, where you can get your two-week emergency food supply for just eighty-seven bucks. 92 servings of breakfast, lunch, and dinner, meals, and reusable heavy-duty four-layer pouches delivered in um, in uh, plastic food-grade buckets. Eight food varieties, up to 25-year shelf life. And right now, they're giving, they're giving you a special, a normal $157 two-week emergency food supplies available for just $87. Or... You can upgrade to the four-week emergency food supply that's got 284 servings, breakfast, lunch, dinners, drinks, and snacks, 25-year shelf life, free shipping and handling, normally 8 bucks. You can get that, uh, that $297 value for just $197 if you go to preparewithmojo50.com. You'll save $100 off of the list, list price. You'll get stews and um, chickens and tomato soup and all sorts of uh, supplies. All you got to do is put it in your closet and you'll be prepared for the next crisis. Hey, uh, you know, I know I noticed that everybody's watching. Uh, uh, what is it? Tiger King? It's some sort of series on Netflix that is uh, bizarre. And, uh, and deals with, you know, all sorts of degeneracy among some big cat collectors. 
I might end up watching it. I'm hearing a lot about it. Uh, I'm getting bored. Uh, you know, I don't normally watch a lot of TV, but instead of the Tiger King, I would, I got a recommendation for you. Go to Disney Plus and watch Togo. It's an amazing true story about the uh, the uh, the sled relay that went from Nome to Fairbanks, I think it was, uh, and brought the uh, the serum for diphtheria to Nome, where all all of the kids in the the town were suffering these high fevers. And you may have heard the story of Balto. Balto was the, the sled dog that was supposed to have led that that uh, relay. Well, it turns out that that that, uh, that is uh, another bit of fake news from the media back in 19, I guess it was 1925. Balto was part of the crew that uh, ran the last leg of, of that, that relay. But the dog and the uh, the musher that really led that was uh, was uh, a dog named Togo, and the story of Togo was absolutely a made-for-TV movie. If you if you've never familiarized yourself, this this dog was a, originally he was undersized. He was deemed not to have the right uh, temperament to be a sled dog. And, uh, and he was, you know, he only, he only grew to about 48 pounds in adulthood. He was ill as a young puppy. His owner, um, Seppala was his name, uh, tried to give him away. His wife nursed him back to health. And then, uh, then Seppala tried to give the dog away, called him a canine delinquent. The dog broke out of his new owner owner's house by jumping through a glass pane and ran back home several miles to the, the master's kennel. And, uh, and he, he, he was initially being kept back at the kennel when, uh, when Seppala took the, his other dogs out on training missions, but Togo would break free of his kennel and, uh, and run and harass the, uh, the, the sled team until finally Seppala ended up putting, trying Togo, you know, on the, on the harness and after a uh, after a while, he, he came to realize that he wasn't a a canine delinquent. He was in fact a natural born lead dog for his his team. So while Balto and and the other members of this uh, this uh, relay got got all this this attention, the truth of the matter is out of this. Uh, this relay, the average dog ran about 30 miles of the, the two legs and Togo and Seppala did over 300 and something miles, 10 times more than any of the other dogs. But it is a, just a fabulous human interest story. Uh, it's starring, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's the guy's name? I got to look it up real quick. If you uh, if you don't have Disney Plus, you can uh, you can sign up for a two week trial, watch that movie, and then cancel your trial. But um, but you definitely got to see this film. 
can't believe I can't remember the guy's name that stars in it. Oh, William Defoe. William Defoe is he's he's a fantastic actor. He's normally reduced to character roles playing a a criminal or a nutcase. This is the role of a lifetime for William Defoe. I guess he he was in a Full Metal Jacket. Um, the one of the stars of Full Metal Jacket. But uh, I cannot recommend Togo enough. So back to the coronavirus. <laughs> We've now got 1,215,000 approximately diagnosed cases of those cases. They're, they're the people that are showing symptoms. They're not giving the test anybody that's not showing symptoms. And out of that number, we've got 65,605 deaths. That is a percentage of 0.05% less, just a little more than half a percentage. If you consider how many people are actually carrying the coronavirus around, I would, I would estimate that number to be 10 times the number of the diagnosed cases. Then you have a uh, mortality rate quite on par with the seasonal flu. Now, the thing that makes this different, obviously, is, uh, is we have not been infected with this before. Uh, and a lot of people don't have antibodies. And so, you know, it's highly contagious and uh, a lot of people are getting affected. So the death rate, I, I suspect, before all of this is over, is, is going to be at the low end of uh, the projections, the modeling, which says between 100 and 200,000. I think it'll be probably uh, be less than a thousand. And if you you factor in the number of deaths that are being reported as coronavirus, which are in fact attributable to other underlying conditions or elderly uh, population, it's uh, it's going to go down in history as one of the most massive overreactions that we have ever seen in the public health sphere. A university in Milan, actually Milan University, estimates that 20 million Italians were infected with the COVID-19, the Wuhan flu, and that uh, eventually about 60,000 people will have died from it. If you you, uh, divide that out, that's a mortality rate of about, uh, well, a quarter of a percentage point. Right, again, on par with the seasonal flu, maybe twice as much as the seasonal flu. So I'm hoping at some point we can get get back to a, a rational response to this and uh, and go ahead and uh, quarantine and isolate those people that uh, are uh, you know at risk elderly and people with underlying conditions and let everybody else go about their business. If this were any other situation, you know, where a identifiable group showed that they were at risk, we would isolate that group. We wouldn't close down our economy. We wouldn't, um, you know, sacrifice our civil liberties. We wouldn't have people being arrested for trying to, go for a run on the beach. I saw a clip the other day. They were arresting a guy who was out on a stand-up paddleboard. 
If there was anything he could have been doing to social distance, it would have been a, a stand-up paddleboard. But, you know, uh, if you give people authority, they are prone to use it. And, of course, one of these, um, I guess it was wildlife uh, patrol boats, approached this guy and took him into custody for paddleboarding. We, uh, we're undergoing the greatest contraction in civil liberties probably since uh, World War II or the Civil War. And we're doing it all in the name of protecting an identifiable group that is at risk by this virus when all we really needed to do was just isolate them and, and keep them at home. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with Joe Biden. And we'll take a look at the initial tests that are being conducted on hydroxychloroquine. And let's see what else. The coronavirus fix. Is it too politically incorrect to implement? Stick with us. We got to run out to a break. We'll be right back, right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H Track all wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If you have thyroid eye disease and you can't get any shut eye because you can't shut your eyes... It might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Uh, coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus all the time. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of it. Uh, you know, this show is all about news and commentary. And <laughs> I think I may have said everything there can be to be said about coronavirus. That's not true. There are going to be a lot of developments before this fiasco's over with, and I'm sure I'm going to have lots more to say. But I got an email from a listener asking, why do they call it the Treasure Coast? I often say, coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast. And uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, people can walk along the beaches down here and pick up, well, actually you have to use a metal detector, but uh, they find... Coins from a treasure fleet of 1715 uh, worth um, tens of thousands of dollars. And on some cases, uh, you can dive right off the beach. 
I think it was last year, we had a, a diver off the beach find almost $2 million worth of coins from this treasure fleet. The treasure fleet of 1715. It was a, uh, a Spanish treasure fleet, uh, fleet that was returning from the New World to Spain. Uh, I think it was, I've heard two stories. One was to pay off Sp- Spain's war debt, and the other was uh, as a, uh, a dowry uh, that the, um, for a, a, a queen of Spain to be married. But what was happening is they were, uh, Spain had called uh, for their fleet to retrieve all of their gold and treasure from the New World. Of course, uh, you know, they had raided a lot of the gold from uh, South America and the Indian tribes down there. And on July 31st, 1715, uh, 17 days after departing from Havana, Cuba, this, uh, this fleet, it was 12 ships, had made it up to um, about Cape Canaveral, which is the Space Coast. The Treasure Coast runs from Indian River County, where I'm at, down to Martin County, and then it's the, the Palm Coast. You've got the Space Coast, the Treasure Coast, and the Palm Coast. But this fleet was uh, headed up to St. Augustine, and they got as far as uh, Cocoa Beach or Cape Canaveral. I'm not sure what it was called at the time. Uh, And they ran into a hurricane, so um, they turned around. They were going to beat it back down the coast with the hurricane in hot pursuit. And uh, it started driving them further and further to the shore when uh, they started hitting the reefs here in Indian River County and breaking up uh, and 50 or what was 12 ships were breaking up all along Indian River County, uh, present day Indian River County, present day St. Lucie and present day Martin County, spilling their treasure all along the way. There was about 1,500 sailors that died as a result of this. Uh, A smaller number survived and uh, and made it to shore where they put up a a mosquito camp, for lack of a better term, uh, right near present-day Sebastian, Florida. And and then they somehow communicated, you know, their whereabouts, and the Spanish crown dispatched a, a, a recovery crew. Nobody knows how much of this treasure that was uh, estimated in today's value to be worth billions of dollars was salvaged by the uh, Spanish crown. But uh, this is the area, actually Fort Pierce, Florida, just south of here, where Mel Fisher first began his treasure hunting career. He was a, originally an auto dealer out in California who got in in the early days of the scuba movement uh he 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 opened a scuba shop and he was responsible for a lot of the innovations in uh early scuba diving and he heard about a guy in fort pierce that was finding this treasure and so he organized uh, an effort a, a treasure salvaging effort with a bunch of his friends in california and came down here bought the rights from uh that that original uh, treasure hunter. What, what was his name? Uh, uh, can't remember his name, but he, he also invented something called the mailbox and the mailbox was, uh, an interesting 
invention by Mel Fisher. He learned to divert the prop wash from the back of the boats onto the bottom of the seafloor and wash up years of uh, sediment and sand and and, uh, get access to all of this treasure. And uh, and there's no telling how much of it he recovered. He was uh, he kept it close to the vest because, of course, in those days, uh, floor well, they still do, but uh, it was the early days when Florida was making laying claim to a portion of his uh, discoveries, and uh, nobody knows how much Mel Fisher was able to salvage from those original efforts before he moved on down to the Keys, and of course started searching for the Atocha. Just recently, in 2015, a fellow named Brent Brisbane, who who now owns the salvage right, Queen's Jewels LLC is his, his company, uh, recovered $4.5 million um, worth of these coins off the cl- coast of, um, well, just, just a couple of miles from where I'm at now on the Indian River coast. You can see a lot of this, uh, this recovered gold in, in the museums and, and gold shops down here. You may have seen a, a movie in 2008 called fool's gold uh, that had kate hudson and uh, um i'll think of his name in a second but there's been a lot of movies made about the the treasure coast here the mcclarty was the guy's name that was uh the original treasure hunter that mel fisher ended up buying out and uh and making his fortune but that's the story of the treasure coast of florida and to this day people or on the evening news occasionally that are, you know, using their metal detectors and, and unearthing one or two uh, precious jewels. Recently, one of them found uh, a ring that had a huge emerald in it that was valued at, uh, at about $50,000. It's interesting. If you recover something up on the, the shore, you get to keep it without having to pay Florida their cut. Or uh, the the guy that has the rights to the salvage. If, however, you find it below the the uh, tide line, then you have to uh, you have to pay your your um, booty to them. Uh, so I don't know how many people, in fact, find things in the water and then claim they found it on the shore. But I'm sure there's some of that going on. So there was a an article in American Greatness where uh, Victor Davis Hanson writes now. He used to appear on this show occasionally, Victor Davis Hanson, but he's he's gotten to be in great demand on Fox News and other shows, so uh, he doesn't have as much time for a small market show like mine anymore. But this is a great article I, I recommend it to you. It's called Corona Meltdowns, and he's talking about whether or not uh, this this virus has reached its its peak, it remains unclear whether the measures taken will provide sufficient, insufficient, or prove to be an overreaction. But what is certain, he says, is that a number of individuals, including Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and the mainstream media, have behaved so shamefully and demonstrated such little capacity for leadership that they will have discredited themselves when this is over with. About Nancy Pelosi, he says, gone to the mythologies that Nancy Pelosi was a pragmatic liberal voice of reason among otherwise polarizing American leftists, that she had honed her, uh, her, her skills over the years 
by paying dues to the Democrat Party. And it's not a matter of whether political or ethical decline was a result of her pathological hatred for Donald Trump, but whether or not she is, in fact, even up to uh, the challenges that she's, she's taken on. She's 81 years old. And of course, if you listen to her, you know that uh, she's got the, the Joe Biden syndrome. She has a very hard time keeping her train of thought and uh, appears to be weighing over her head. About the media, Victor Davis Hansen says, watching the media deal with the daily White House briefing reminds you of a country that we Reminds you that the country never had journalism of this low character before. Not in the acrimony over the founding, not in the Civil War, not even in the age of yellow journalism in the 20th century. Reporters don't wish to transmit knowledge to the public anymore that might aid and comfort them in this, this time. They don't even wish to clarify the murky statements from public officials to, uh, to make sure that Americans know What's going on? Instead, these journalists are basically fixating on two agendas. One is to try to goad this president into saying something sloppy or poorly stated so that they can, you know, uh, take sound bites out of it and mischaracterize it. They, uh, they repeatedly do that. They, they take sound bites, the most obvious of which is when they try to claim that the president claimed the coronavirus was a hoax instead of claiming that their coverage of it was a hoax. And that gotcha obsession, and it's on display every day at these White House pressers, is proving the president was absolutely right when he said that they're fake news and enemies of the American people. And uh, BDH goes on to talk about Joe Biden. He says the virus shutdown was first seen as proving a necessary respite for old Joe as he holed up in his basement, sleeping no no telling how many hours out of the day. But as this has gone on, you know, and they've trotted him out, he has repeatedly proven himself not up to this crisis. He can't remember oftentimes the name of the crisis or he gets his historical uh, references all backwards and uh, and really is out there peddling in in disinformation the uh, the Democrats now there there's a big move afoot to try to draft Andrew Como and and you know this is just typical typical uh, uh, Democrat response the Dems have finally figured out that uh, Joe Biden one, he can't beat Trump. There's no way that he can stand on the stage and debate Donald Trump. And two, he can't be president. I mean, he, he really, making Joe Biden president would be such a disaster. And this, uh, this crisis has really illustrated that. But now there's this move afoot to, to draft Andrew Como, the governor, the single governor, who has botched his coronavirus preparations and response worse than any other state. You really, you can't make this stuff up that, you know, they've got him on TV a lot and he, uh, he's responsible for, uh, for the city of New York where he had his Democrat colleagues out in the streets, urging everybody to attend parades and to actually, they were the ones that said that the coronavirus was, uh, 
was uh, far was going to be far less a problem than it ultimately became. Hey, I want to ask you to run on over to AmericaFirst.shop, AmericaFirstRadio.shop, that is, AmericaFirstRadio.shop. I've got some products over there that uh, you might like to have in this time of coronavirus. There's a T-shirt there that says, Failure to Prep is Prepping to Fail. Someone needs to get one of those and send it to Andrew Como. And, uh, and we've also got one, uh, Country Boy Can Survive, that I know a lot of my listeners would appreciate. But uh, more than anything, we've got this banana bag oral solution. It's a, uh, a solution of electrolytes and, and B vitamins and A vitamins and all of, all of the things you need to keep your immune system at peak efficiency. And uh, if you come down with some sort of ailment that leaves you dehydrated, this is a way to rehydrate yourself without landing yourself in the hospital on an IV. Banana bag oral solution. We've got it in adult and pediatric versions. It's $15.50 for five packs, free same-day shipping. AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Get you one of the, uh, these T-shirts. Failure to prep is prepping to fail. And you can sport it at your local grocery store while you're wearing your masks and goggles. So let's get to the sound bites. Joe Biden, here he is uh, claiming that that Donald Trump cut the budget for the Center for Disease Control. But the president dismantled almost all of that, and he drastically cut the uh, the budgets for the CDC. Uh, he drastically cut the budget for the uh, anyway. So uh, <laughs> so he remembers his one lie: the budget uh, that. Trump cut the budget of the CDC. He goes to tell another and he forgets to lie. But the AP of all places did a fact check and said, you know, in fact, Biden is not telling the truth that the financing for the CDC under Trump has in fact increased. I think at one point he, he did have some budget cuts in there for parts of the CDC, but overall the CDC, including their infectious control division, the budgets have increased every year. You can contrast that if you want to. Uh, with uh, the time that Joe Biden was vice president when the CDC's budget was, in fact, cut five out of those eight years. Uh, There was one of these press conferences, just a classic Trump quote. One of the reporters was trying to to bait Trump uh, by reading one of Joe Biden's tweet, and it did not go well for Joe Biden. You know, I, wanna, I don't want to comment as to whether or not, but I agree with their decision 100 percent in the back, please. Um, Joe Biden actually just attacked you in a tweet. I don't know if you have seen it. He just what? Attacked you. He just said. Well, he didn't write anything. Look, here's people, here's professionals from the Democrats. Mr. President, let me just read what he said. He said Donald Trump is not responsible for the coronavirus, but he is responsible for failing to prepare our nation to respond to it. How do you respond okay. to that, sir? Uh, he didn't write that. That was done by a Democrat operative. He doesn't write. He doesn't. He's probably not even watching right now. Uh, and if he is, he doesn't understand what he's watching. But just so you understand, it was very nice what they wrote. I don't know. You know, they released it at a strange time. You know, sort of a strange time to release something. like that He's referring to right there when Joe Biden actually came out and said that Donald Trump should have instituted the travel bans from China earlier. <laughs> Remember... I mean, I guess Joe Biden can't remember, but you probably remember when when Donald Trump instituted the travel bans from the affected areas in China. Joe Biden came out and called him a xenophobe for doing it. 
back to this clip like that. But he admitted I was right. And if you read the Federalist story, which most of you won't, because you don't want to, but you'd learn something. Because if you go, it goes through a chart, times. I was early. Dr. Fauci, I think, I don't think he's changed his mind, but he said it was a very important step when we stopped China from coming in from the specific area that was heavily infected. We'd have a whole different thing right now. So I don't really know what Joe Biden said. I don't really care. And again, I see everyone said, well, I'll say something, I'll make a speech, and then it'll be critiqued, and I'll get this beautiful, brilliant critique. Joe Biden didn't write that. Joe Biden didn't write that. He wished he did, but he... Joe Biden didn't write that. If you go over to Joe Biden's Twitter account and you read his his tweets, you can tell that these are heavily focused um, uh, or focus-grouped statements uh, that are being put together. They're very um, calculated in their effects. It's not something that is being written by Joe Biden on his uh, his smartphone. I doubt he's even got one, and if he does, he probably can't figure out how to turn it on. But at this race, uh, at this point, the presidential race just sort of seems to have faded into the background. I don't believe any independents and very few Democrats even believe that Joe Biden can be president. That's what's behind this draft Como movement. And uh, if, in fact, they are successful in getting Andrew Como on the ticket, either as president or vice president, they're going to have to contend with statements that he recently made like this. The Javits Center is 2,500 beds. We're in a desperate search for beds with staff. Javits has beds, but more importantly, federal staff and federal equipment. And I called the president this morning and I explained the situation to him. Uh, And to his credit, to his credit, Rachel, uh, in one day he turned around and he called me this afternoon and said, we're going to use Javits for COVID patients. That was Andrew Como on uh, Rachel Maddow's show. You can imagine that her head was about to explode because that's probably the first time you would have heard anything uh, of Donald Trump being praised on her show. I'm surprised she doesn't have a, a tape delay where she could have dumped that out. But Como has repeatedly uh, praised the president's efforts in response to this crisis occasionally he'll come out and he'll say something negative, but uh, when it comes out, most of the things negative he said uh, are just trying to deflect blame for his own lack of preparedness and his only early response to this crisis. As an example of these crazy questions that come out of our discredited media, here is a reporter asking, well, I'll just let you listen to it yourself. Okay, question you on the back, please. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously we know anyone can spread the disease, right? Unwittingly. Right, so why even have a few businesses open? Why not just shut everything down? There are grocery stores that are open, fast food places. Why even take a little chance to shut well, all that down? Why not close down the grocery stores, this guy says? Why not close down the restaurants? Apparently, this, this brilliant reporter is not aware of the fact that people have to eat. I mean, that's a legitimate question out of what passes for our media these days. I think we need to to broaden the circle of reporters that uh, are able to ask these questions because these lunatics in the White House briefing room have run out of crazy questions to ask to the point now where you got one asking, why don't you close down the grocery stores? 
So I think originally, uh, early on in Sarah Huckabee's um, tenure, they were taking questions via Skype or Facebook or something, and they were broadening uh, the the reporter pool outside of those committed, deranged reporters that uh, you know that uh, go up on and report on the White House to you know more local coverage. And I think now would be a good time to just go ahead and clean out the uh, the gallery in the White House briefing room and start taking questions from from across the nation from uh, reporters that haven't had their chance. Well, we're seeing now that uh, another case of the president being true, proven correct. He announced early on that he had great hopes for hydroxychloroquine and the uh, zithromycin and zinc, the so-called Z-Packs. The press up to that point had been saying, you know, encouraging things about that. But as soon as the president said that this was promising, of course, they spun on a dime and started saying that the president was offering false hopes and he was peddling in fake science and all of this. Well, we're getting uh, returns now from Italy and other affected areas and from uh, these early trials that are being conducted in New York that shows, yes, in fact, hydroxychloroquine and the Z-Packs are working uh, just as intended. There was a, a doctor. Let's see if I can find this. This is Dr. Stephen Smith. He's appearing on uh, Laura Ingram's show talking about his experience with hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, so uh, intubated means your respiratory your respiratory failure and you have to be put on a ventilator. Intubation means actually putting the tube down into your trachea and then you're placed on a ventilator for support, respiratory support. We've had, uh, I mentioned the 20 intubations, over most all of them occurred in the first two days. More importantly, no person has received five days or more of the hydroxychloroquine and zithro combination has been intubated. The chance of that occurring by chance, according to my sons, Leon and Hunter, who did some stats for me, are 0.000 something. It's, it's ridiculously low depending on how you look at it. Yeah. It's ridiculously low no matter how you look at it. Um, we worry about selection bias in this situation, but I cannot think of a reason why. If all else is equal, why people that have received five days or more, or even four days or more, uh, this hydroxychloroquine, azithro regimen, wouldn't get intubated. If, in other words, if the regimen didn't work, why would it just be the people that didn't get nearly completed, nearly complete the regimen? Most of the people were in the first two days. That sound bite's kind of spotty there as he cut in and out. Everybody's doing these interviews now from uh, their home via Skype or Zoom. But has there been any negative results from any of these trials? Why was Dr. Fauci so determined to pour cold water on the the possible benefits of hydroxychloroquine. We've seen again and again now, they keep calling it anecdotal information, but you know, if something's performing as uh, as prescribed repeatedly with with nary a uh, negative effect, that's not anecdotal, that is a discovery. And of course, I got to remind you that hydroxychloroquine has been used since 1940 and is currently prescribed off-label, as they like to call it, because it was developed to uh, treat malaria. But it's been prescribed off-label for a decade now for people with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. If you can prescribe it off-label for those 
conditions. You know, what what was the problem? Why was the governor of New York and the governor of Nevada and Michigan uh, coming out with these executive orders that you're not allowed to prescribe hydroxychloroquine for um, for the coronavirus? I will let my the uh, the conspiracy theorists in my audience uh, send me emails with their answers, or you can hit me up on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at right now Jim Dawes, and you can shoot me an email at right now Jim Dawes at gmail.com. That's spelled Dawes, D A W S, no E. <laughs> so these uh, these White House reporters are bound to determine that they're going to get a photograph of Donald Trump wearing one of these masks. Trump's not at all interested in this. Uh, you know, they've recently come out with voluntary recommendations that uh, you wear some sort of face covering, not to protect yourself from others, but to protect others from you in case you're asymptomatic and happen to be a carrier. But here's Trump on the masks. As an example on the masks, if people wanted to wear them, they can. If people wanted to use scarves, which they have, many people have them, they can. In many cases, the scarf is better. It's thicker. <laughs> I don't know if it's better and thicker, but that, of course, prompted uh, the braying hounds in the media to say, well, why aren't you wearing a mask if it's uh, if it's a voluntary recommendation? And Trump, you know, he's, he's not going to be photographed wearing one of these masks so they can, uh, you know, make him look foolish. But uh, it was quite telling that none of the reporters that were hounding him on why he wasn't wearing a mask were wearing a mask themselves either. Uh, I've got one more clip I wanted to play for you here, and I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to go right to it. This is an expert on Tucker Carlson's show on whether or not this lockdown was uh, justified by these models. And what we have seen for the last couple of weeks is that the models that have predicted really apocalyptic things in places like New York City and nationally and in the UK don't seem to be matching what's going on in, in reality. And in some cases, these, these epidemiologic models are extremely new. They've gone extremely south in, in a matter of days. And so I think we really have to ask what's going on here and whether or not there are strategies that might be less damaging to the economy that, that would do just as well because we've we've taken huge steps. We've you know we've put ten million people out of work more actually because that's the official numbers. In- so these original models that were you know claiming that as many as two point two million people could die, they have now been downgraded after all the damage they've done, and they're saying that less than one hundred thousand people are going to die in this crisis, and they did that. They changed this model in just a little over a week. So this may turn out to be one of the most massive overreactions in American history. We'll have to see how it plays out. But if it does, we will bring it to you right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here tomorrow on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. 
Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.